such a bad disguise And did you think for a second I would not realize Tripping hard, falling down onto the ground Cause I can't stand up but I can't fall down Cause I'm somewhere in the middle of this Hello and welcome to Bard Talk, I'm your host Josh and boy is COVID having its way with us once again. Uh, many states are reporting tens of thousands of people a day. Other states that were down to like zero cases a day are now back into the 600s. And it seems as if we're well on our way to, uh, I don't know, a COVID apocalypse all over again. You would have thought we would have got out of this, but... I don't know. I, I will say I think this time around we're going to have a little bit more luck. We have better treatments. Uh, we actually have some medicine and treatments that are known to work. The plasma treatment, something with alpacas. I didn't really look into that because I thought it was kind of weird. But actual drugs like pharmaceutical drugs that we can give people um, that are, are diagnosed and dealing with COVID roughly. So all good positive things, honestly, except for the numbers. But the numbers, um, from what I understand this time around, uh, we're getting a lot of flack because they're mixing data. I, I've heard now a couple times over that like people who, who get tested and have to get tested to go back to work, like when they get tested and come up positive again, they're not separating that test. So like one person can test positive multiple times and still get counted. And there's a slew of other stuff like people who tested positive for the antibodies got mixed in like just nonsensical stuff. But you know, uh, this is what pandemics are. Um, it's a blight that moves across the country and this one is a little more deadly than your average common flu or cold that that sweeps the nations but we're going to learn how to fight this and we're going to get better this podcast however is not about covid i've done enough of those and um i think there's really no information that i can give you that you can't hear at the local news and nothing that i find particularly interesting what i did find uh, a little wild was a couple weeks ago I got a good lecture from a zoomer uh, a generation Z or the I generation or whatever name actually ends up sticking on these little twerps but they gave me a good lecture about how Millennials suck and how awesome their generation is and everything's great and shiny and it kind of gave me the gumption to go ahead and look into generations and why exactly we name them um, the fact that it's pretty much a Western culture thing and that no other country really bothers giving titles and legacies to groups of people. And the more I looked into it, the less it made sense. So I figured, why not give you, the people, uh, a couple different takes on this kind of thing. So I have a very special guest, one of my oldest and longest time running friendships and, and other things. Um, and it's her birthday, so everybody um, wish Jessica a happy birthday. Jess? Hi. Um, so, as Josh said, my name is Jess, and today is my birthday. I am a proud millennial, and um, I also work at a senior living facility, so I think I have a little bit of insight to some of the older generations as well. 
Um, and what, like, when you say insight, is it because, like, you you work with them regularly and you can understand their mindset a little bit better? Is, is that what you're hinting at? Um, I guess maybe not understand their mindset. I certainly try to do that. Are you a professional um, boomer handler? <laughs> uh, we don't have too many boomers just yet. Uh, where I work, we probably have more of the so-called greatest generation and a few from the silent generation, but we haven't really gotten too far into the boomers just yet. See, and you know, I know everybody's wrapped up in this COVID pandemic, but if there's a virus that is infected, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go there. (laughs) Um, No, but seriously, um, I think it's kind of interesting just the mindset that some of these generations have and how willing they are to adapt the title and then like fight to be in an older generation, which is probably the weirdest thing to me. Like I know a lot of people who, you know, I, maybe I, you could throw me in there, I guess, but like the argument over the cutoff for Gen X and millennial. Now, originally Gen X was going to be named the baby buster generation because you know the the baby boomers really got their name um from a book written by um crap uh, i didn't actually write down that name uh they got their name from a book basically that was written and they kind of were named baby boomer because uh the overwhelming gi population coming home and having babies like out the wazoo I don't know why they were on a mission to repopulate the U.S., but so be it. And the the following generation was going to be called uh, the Baby Busters. And their generation ended up actually be, be, being pretty small. And the argument that I hear a lot of times is like, you know, early Baby Boomers were Baby Boomers. were They were people who were born between 46 and 65 or 44 and 65 usually 65 is kind of that cut off there and a lot of people will say well if you were born in the 60s you didn't really experience what the the boomer culture the you know the summer of love um counter culture i don't know why they call it counter culture please boomers are the least counter anything um but of course, that's now. Maybe back then to their parents, they were like this wicked, evil, devil group of children. Um, and that's what's so hard to define. Um, right before we went on here, we started talking about uh, J- President John Tyler's grandsons are still alive. Uh, apparently, you know, he waited until he was in his 70s to have kids, and his kids waited until they were in the 70s to have kids. And so his heirs his legacies are still alive and there's not even a name for the generation they would be in but through their lifespan they caught they they were part of these trends so like his grandchildren would be part of that greatest generation or the gi generation the group of people that went to go on to fight in world war ii i know um my favorite author ernest hemingway he wrote a lot about the forgotten generation when that was the generational group of people who fought in world war one you know they were they were born turn of the century 
you know, late 1800s, early 1900s, and then went on to go fight in, in the Great War, as the time as it was called. But they also lived through World War II, just not on the fighting end. So that argument, like with the boomers, where if you were, it, you could be a boomer classified if you were born 1960, but you were like nine years old during Woodstock and during the big Vietnam protests and the moon landing. And so how much of that generation did you really catch? Um, and and I, th I find it funny because like I know I kind of fall as a cusper. I was born in 86. And so a lot of the contemporary cutoff for the millennial, depending on who you're talking about, would be 65 to 85 or 65 to 86. You know, it really, I don't know. And then I've also, I've seen 1960 to 1980 because of that whole argument. Well, if you were born in 1960, you really weren't old enough to enjoy it. And then you roll even further um, and there was a book written by uh, Dr. Jean Twenge. I really don't know how to say her name, but the short end of it is um, she wrote a book and she named the generations or more or less pointed out that they existed in like 20 year spans. And it's hard to really pin down those 20 year spans because in it's a western culture thing like not none canada i don't know if they're really hooked on it but like for sure if you go to you know middle of the urals in russia they don't they don't think about generations like that to them generations are generations in your family but here in the west in america they they kind of name their generations based off of the events that happened so that's why it makes a little bit of sense. And I'm not picking on you, but so you know, the audience can't hear you nod your head yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to talk. This is like a radio show. Right, right. So um, this, uh, this Zoomer that I was talking to, I don't even know how we got on the, the title or the, the, the subject of Generations, but like she was, she, she worked with me and she was leaving. And she's going on to um, take a bunch of classes and uh, go to fire school and medic school and this, that, and the other. And she couldn't do it with a full-time job. Mm -hmm. um, and her class load, I guess, was like kind of erratic. And I was just like, you know, oh, well, you know, if you want to do anything meaningful, go to medic school because medic school is going to propel you into almost any career you want. Um, I've made the comment many a times that, you know, I, I would have been working in a municipal fire department years ago if I had my medic. Right. Um, but she said, like, I think that's how she said, um, like, well, you know, your generation doesn't really chase their dreams. They blah, blah, blah. And then I got this 20 minute dissertation about how just God awful millennials are and how zoomers are going to save the planet because, you know, they, they chase their dreams and they're full of ambition. And, you know, they, a lot of them start their lives a lot sooner and they don't have the issues, the, the confidence issues. And I'm listening, listening, listening. Now I want to be clear. She's 20 years old right now. So if we were playing by this whole 86 to, I believe it would be 2005. Yep. 
I'm pretty sure 2005, she falls well into the millennial ca- category. Yep. She's a later one. Yep, she's a late stage millennial. Um, and, and that's where, like, when I was researching this whole thing, this book by uh, Dr. Twinge, she kind of, like, names them the iGen. And her iGen starts at, like, 96. And her argument is that people born after 96 always grew up with the internet, always grew up with a phone that could access the internet, always had the internet readily available. Um, I don't think, and and this is the big issue I have with all of the naming of the generations, is just that, like, so my parents were both deeply, deeply entrenched in the boomer category. My dad was 47. 1947 he was born so one of the first boomers Mm -hmm. and then my mom was born in 52 so they you know my dad went to went to vietnam my mom went to vietnam protests (laughs) (laughs) uh and that like so so generationally just like uh tyler's kids i'm really more of a gen xer than i ever was a millennial you know, on top of that, my parents were both deeply religious, which, uh, I, you know, I, I'm not going to say retards social, like, growth, but they had an older way of thinking, they had an older way of being, and that certainly played a role in my upbringing. Thus, I was homeschooled because they taught evolution in schools, and, you know, there was a lot, just everything about my growing up. Having my sisters, I had two older sisters, both of them born in the 70s. You know, Beth was 76 and Amy was 79. Um, so the shows that they watched, the music that they listened to, I was really just exposed completely to the whole Gen X thing. Right. Like media and mindset aside. But I, depending who you talk to, I'm, I'm just an early millennial. You know, and and for the life events that I've experienced, like the age of the internet, the age of video games, the age of uh, the technology boom that happened that put a computer in everybody's house, like I was front and center for all of that kind of stuff. Right. So generations are generalities. They don't really take account for the individual. Um, but you're right, especially for people on the cusp, it can be a little confusing. You're a year older than me and definitely I would say that you align far more with Gen X than I do. I'm not going to say that you are definitely a Gen Xer, but you share more of those traits than I do. I am solidly a millennial. (laughs) Um, But my parents, uh, they were both born in the first half of the 60s, so they were very much on the cusp of boomers versus Gen X. And I would say both of them have traits from both. And I think that's just because generations are this made-up thing that we put these kind of arbitrary limits onto with years. And I think our individual experiences kind of shape, at least along the cusp, where we fall. So, you know, I they use the word generation, but really it kind of should just be era. Yeah. I, I mean, it, even even just because of the debate about this new gen so gen z isn't really taking off uh, gen gen z was going to be used to name millennials because z comes after x and for some reason we got stuck on this whole oh well we're going to do the whole alphabet thing yes it was read her book okay, also I'm don't shake you. your head because i'm with you 
but Y comes after X. We yeah. Gen Y first. Well, that was batted around too. Um, but I don't know. Like, it's so in doing research for this whole thing, what I found out is that there's actually like a multi billion or million dollar industry to be had in naming generations. The first person that writes a book or or writes an article or or names the next generation trademarks that generation x was trademarked millennials was trademarked so anytime it's used in a publication um somebody gets royalties yeah yeah it's (laughs) like it's it's weird um and i I hate to say it all boils down to money but like shorthand it kind of does it boils down to, to, to money because there's money to be made off of it. And so that's how a lot of these generations get these names. And there's a big race to fight over who finds the first name. Like, it, it's it's so bizarre to me. Um, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z were all fought over. Baby Buster, Boomers themselves, the GI generation or the greatest generation, the lost generation. All of these terms that come out, like all of a sudden people are making money off of them because they're being used in um, entertainment pieces or in books. Like if I wrote a book and I used the term millennial, I might have to pay a royalty fee to uh, Douglas Copeland or William Strauss and Neil Howe. William Strauss and Neil Howe were the first people to write a book naming the millennials the millennials. Uh, Douglas Copeland named Gen X. So he gets a little taste of, of that whole bibliography when people use that in, in their articles or whatever. It's, I don't know, it's bizarre to me. I don't understand how it works. Um, it's one of the reasons that Gen Z has so many names too, like the iGen or the Internet Gen. Um, we should just call them InGen. I like <laughs> Jurassic Park, so. But it, it doesn't have anything to do really with generations. We're just trying to name eras. It seems like the events that happened are what shapes those those group of people, regardless of really when they were born or who their parents were. Because, like, I mean, you say that I attach on to some Gen X things, and maybe that's true. But, like, we develop personas for these generations. And I know one of the things, like, it's just the apathy that Gen X has. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're kind of seen as this generation that doesn't care about anything. There was a comic I, I found a long time ago, and it showed a millennial graduating college. And the, its baby boomer grandparents were, like, so proud of it. And they were hugging it and saying, oh, you know, you can go anywhere and do anything. And their Gen X parents were on their phones like, that's great, kid. And it, I don't remember the title of the comic, but it was supposed to be this like sad piece on, on Gen Xers not caring and baby boomers being this great supportive group. F that notion. Yeah, I don't find that to I be mean, accurate. My goodness. <laughs> no, not even like a little bit. Like I, Not that baby boomers aren't supportive or baby boomers like are awful, terrible people, but for sure... Something happened in that time span where they went from counterculture, I guess, rebelling against their parents to taking every goddamn scrap of food off of the table and not caring 
not caring at all what's left for anybody else. Um, you said you don't really get too many boomers in the, uh, the old wrinkle ranch where you work, but in all honesty, like they're, they're still deeply entrenched into the, uh, into the work, working environment. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't know. I mean, maybe it's my experiences. I would love for somebody to debate me on Twitter or something like that, but I, I don't know of a company right now that is giving more back to their employees. Everybody seems to be caught up in this whole, well, every quarter we have to post bigger numbers, and we do so at the cost of everybody that works there. You know, programs that I knew just a decade ago well dried up. I mean, everybody, everybody who is working, especially our generation, has gone through this transition where colloquially you got your health care supplied to you by your employer mm -hmm. and and you got it at a, a fairly decent price i don't know anybody that ever spent the percentages of their salaries on health care that our generation does it was something like and i understand like the whole idea and the concept of health care provided by the employer was born out of the boomers themselves because they're 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 i guess not the boomers they're their parents the the forgotten generation or whatever or maybe the greatest generation depending who you read but they came back from world war ii in mass needed jobs and the jobs couldn't compete with salaries so they started kicking them extra benefits like pensions and and paid health care and this idea of health insurance was born and health insurance took off and became this huge industry but those were all benefits on top of their salary that they were enticed to go work for plan a or plan b right they were called benefits and they're still called benefits but at the time they were brought about to entice you to take this job instead of that job. Right. And now every full-time job generally has benefits, but are they really even a benefit at this point? I, you know, if you step outside of the public sector, I don't know anywhere, anywhere anymore that you can get a pension. No, pensions and by, don't exist anymore. Yeah, and, and by pension, I don't mean a 401k savings plan that the employer contributes to. I mean an actual pension plan held by the company where they take uh, a little bit of money out of your pay and then they add to it and they create a fund that you can either take a lump sum from when you retire or you can get paid out installments. Um, one of the guys I work with, his mom worked for a local hospital and she gets a pension and she sorry about that thunder everybody i told you it's storming out there shook the floor a little bit <laughs> yeah it was close um so she gets paid out every two weeks and her pension was not large but she opted to get the smallest payment every two weeks for lifetime versus she could have gotten a higher amount for like a set amount of time or she could have taken a lump sum and that has been the ruin of a lot of pension plans is that people will take the lowest for the lifetime and unlike their predecessors they live well into their 80s 90s i mean she's pushing 92 or something like that so i mean and not slowing down there's nothing that says she won't live into her hundreds yeah. and that that pension that she paid into long since dried up the hospitals just paying her out of whatever they have in their pension fund and so i get like i'm not 
I'm not economically challenged. I, I know how these things work. But what's insultuous is when they call them benefits still. And they're not, you know, the benefit is we're going to take 25% of your pay if you have a family and two children for your health care. It's untenable. Right. And with that coverage, you know, we're only going to pay for one eye exam every two years. Oh. Um, and you can't get new glasses or contacts without a new prescription every year. So you're just kind of screwed for a year there. Um, you know, there's no such thing as vacation versus sick time anymore. Everybody's mm. just got a PTO bank. Yep. And benefits, they're just, they're not really benefits anymore. They're things that come with every job. And generally, they're just kind of like the scraps of allowing you to be a human. Yeah, I, you know, I honestly, I could probably do a whole podcast just on healthcare. <laughs> oh, I could go on a rant. <laughs> I, 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 and it's hard not to because, you know, like, so my parents, my dad, my dad, um, he was, I, I, I truly believe as I talk to people that knew him when he was younger, that the, uh, Vietnam really messed him up. Mm-hmm. It really did things to him that were lifelong effects um, uh, certainly messed with his psychology and all of those things went untreated so when he got out he had a job with the border patrol briefly Um, but for my entire childhood he worked third shift as a stock boy at a grocery store Um, he did move up eventually into like a, a managerial role but he never made more than 15 an hour and his health care was affordable at that. We were a family of four. I mean, I didn't always have my sisters um, that lived with us. Like sometimes, well, I'll just say one of them went to foster family. One of them was in um, an institute to treat her mental illnesses. But his insurance covered everything. Like when I would break bones, when when we would get sick, you know, when boys would be boys, um, <laughs> which happened a lot and we had to go to the hospital we weren't ever left destitute people today that have health care pro- programs where you have to meet a deductible before that insurance covers one red cent of your medical bill and then it doesn't even cover all of it there's still exclusionary things mm-hmm. you can go to the hospital and you know need an x-ray and they'll be like well we need four hundred dollars up front and that's on top of, I want to point out, I the, the average person pays about 10% of their salary into their benefits. Yep. So you're paying weekly. My dad never paid a red cent for health insurance. That was part of working there. Yep. You know, he didn't pay towards it. Um, when I first started working, I was at the company I'm at now, I was 20. And for the first year, I got paid $2.16 a week to be on the health care because of my age and health. Like, I didn't have any pre-existing conditions. and They paid you? They paid me to be on the health care plan. <laughs> it was kind of weird. I mean, it only lasted a year. Um, but, but that health care plan was an HMO. There was no deductible. There was no, like, I didn't have to pay... I, I'm trying to think now. There were copays. There was like copay for everything. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, if I needed something more serious, I had to get a referral to see a specialist. And they could always deny or block it. I, I never used it the entire time I had it. I never used it. But 
if I wanted to get healthcare now through my company um, and I had a family, I would have to pay $377 a week. And I, I'm not going to tell you what I make, but that's more than half. Yeah. Benefits, they're just, they're almost a burden at this point. Yeah. I, I mean, for a generation who grew up and received, you know, I'm, and listen, I understand there was a recession in the 70s. There was a big recession in the 70s. And the boomers had to live through that. Um, and it was hard. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, found themselves on hard times. But you would have think that would have shaped them to realize as they began taking over the workforce, oh, hey, let's not be pricks to the people that work for us. Let's not gut their pension plans. Let's not gut their benefits and make it so it's almost a burden, a burden to have health care. You know, you're... It's almost to the point in, in, in America, I can say, where like you're, if you're destitute, your healthcare is taken care of. That's the best of both worlds. But like, if you don't make some insidious amount of money, your healthcare costs are such a high percentage of your salary, it's like a car payment or a house payment. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, we can talk about inflation and like I said this could be a whole topic all on its own but this is a result of a lot of baby boomers being moved into senior management positions they they've taken over as the heads of company and it's just ridiculous to me that they lived through the things that they did the counterculture um, the Vietnam protest the the crash of the 70s um, the, the they lived through the 80s I mean, the 80s were probably in this country one of the most economic, bountiful times um, leading into the 90s, which was also a fruitful era. And then, um, you know, our generation comes onto the scene. And, and, and I guess I guess it's one of the things that makes us more nostalgic than any other generation, makes us a little more wobbly with our confidence but but for sure 9-11 happened yep and and 9-11 you know i was 15 yeah i was on the cusp of 16 and uh you know i woke up at 10 a.m um i was homeschooled so <laughs> you know whatever hate me Lucky for it you i was in second period already <laughs> yeah <laughs> second period <laughs> Hey, at least you got an education. I got a book. I had to complete five years. I'm not going to get bogged down in this. Point is, I was woken up at 10 o'clock. Um, my little brother came running up the stairs to my attic dwelling and said, Hey, you need to come see this. Uh, two planes just ran into the towers in New York. And I'm like, what towers? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was also the first time I had heard about the twin towers i and you know it's funny because like there was another terrorist attack in the 90s somebody tried to bomb the parking garage below them yep. and either i was too young or it just wasn't i guess as big but everybody in our generation knows exactly where they were and what they were doing when that happened everybody watched the newscast that went on for days um, re-showing people like jumping out of a building and falling hundreds of stories to their death. We are all colloquially aware of, you know, the people that died, the fire department that had their commands set up uh, down on ground floor. And if that wasn't traumatic enough, 
boy would the next eight years get you yep <laughs> um i in that conversation with my little zoomer friend um i had to explain to her that you know our generation was robbed of at least five years um i now i have no excuse other than you know i thought i had found my dream job like it was sold to me as my dream job it just didn't turn out to be my dream job um and college wasn't i could get into it but college wasn't really on my radar just because of my parents and the way i was brought up and our economic situation i just didn't have that outlook but i was of that age in 08 where my life should have been starting you know entering into my early 20s i should have been i should have had a career that had a retirement that had health care that had all of these great things and i kind of did at that point but everything took a nosedive and a lot of my friends were either coming out of college or you know just getting settled into their careers and the the bottom fell out yeah uh it was 08 09 yeah yeah, so people our age were graduating college and getting ready to start their lives, and then the economy crashed, and there was a big surge of boomers going back to school, back to work. If they were at work, they were digging their heels in, and they were not retiring. Um, I mean, I remember taking a couple of college classes with you know, at the time I was like, what are all these old people doing here? But, you know, now that I'm in my 30s, they were probably not far off from where I am now. Um, just trying to get their skills back because the economy dropped out and then suddenly your experience didn't matter. Your degree mattered. Yeah. So anyone who had been with a company for 10, 15 years, if they got laid off, like a lot of people did during that time, they couldn't just go somewhere else and use that experience to get into a similar position or a similar pay grade. If they didn't have a degree, they kind of weren't worth what they had been. Yeah. Oh yeah, it definitely like brought about this age of, well, you gotta have college. You people who worked in like the same position for years and years and years, like you were saying, and, and could run the job forwards and backwards, it didn't matter because they they had a piece of paper and that was how the company sold it but i'm going to counter that and i'm going to say that was how they cut costs oh, a lot yeah. of those businesses were trying to figure out how to survive and so the first thing they did was they took everybody who was at the top of the pay scale and they made up some bs excuse about how they were no longer qualified and boom out they went and it was real easy to do because the boomers, most of them, didn't need college degrees to get their jobs. Uh, how many times did those memes fly around where it showed like a, a, a boomer and it was like, you know, oh, boomer got out of high school, got a job that paid 50 grand a year, bought a house. Yep. And boomer got out of high school, uh, went to trade school, has a career for 45 years, um, owes no debt. Or even just boomer starts in the mail room and just works your way up through the company yeah that does not happen anymore no nobody's given a chance no. nobody if you are not if you don't have certificates out the wazoo and then and then if you do have a lot of certificates out the wazoo there's the opposite side of that where mm -hmm. they go oh well you're overqualified yep 
Like, like we would have to start you too high on the pay scale and then you would climb it too fast. And we really love paying minimum wage, but ethically, ethically, we can't. Yep. But if we could. <laughs> and, and what gets me is this was boomers doing this to other boomers. It was older boomers yep. who had lived through counterculture, who had lived through the protest, the moon landing, who had saw this country arguably when it was doing better than at any other point in history and they were raping people of their same generation or the next generation from the jobs that got them the life that they had well i mean that's not rape but uh yes Sorry. semantics you had to know i was gonna go there yeah maybe <laughs> it wasn't the best word but you get but what i was trying yes, to say i see what you were saying and yeah it's it always blows my mind that somehow the same generation that was at Woodstock, the hippies, the free love, and the civil rights movement, and somehow here we are, and they're... All right, everybody's different, and not every boomer is awful, but kind of generationally, they're quite selfish, and... A lot of them are still working, still refusing to give up their jobs for, you know, younger generations to come into. For sure. And they're just sitting there building and building and building their wealth on the backs of other people. Well, and, and colloquially, that's a, that's a big thing. Like right before retirement, you're supposed to maximize all of your earnings so that when you retire, you have this huge giant wave to ride into the sunset. I suppose. Um, but y you're right. You know, I, I work with a boomer who long ago should have given up the ghost. You know, he's he has a pension. He has a 401k. He has uh, considerable savings. And he had the, the nerve to tell me the other day, well, I'm going to work one year earning my salary here my pension and social security at its maximum at 66 and a half years. Yeah. It's really frustrating um, to hear the boomers again. I hate to generalize, but really anyone who, you know, is making good money, good, very comfortable money, who is also collecting their social security yep. and watching their 401k and their investments and talking about retirement. And every time they talk about it, they push it off a little bit further. And it's just so frustrating because it's, it's strange. I am as of today, 33 years old and among the management team where I work, I am, if not the youngest, definitely one of the youngest. I'm probably the only millennial in a management position, and it's just kind of wild that there aren't other people in leadership positions that are under 50. Now, granted, 50 is probably pushing Gen X now, but... yeah. It's still, it's 2020 and boomers are still running the show. Well, and, and, you know, I think part of that is because life expectancies have gone th through the roof. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to this conversation. There's so much to the, just the way Western culture 
treats its elders treats its its older population like i feel like we're hammering home all the negativity that we just want to get yeah out. i do really feel like i kind of trash talked boomers and i didn't intend to do that there are there are some lovely people in the boomer generation no for sure for sure um it's just uh it's true you know gen x I don't even know if they're really going to have their chance to run businesses at this point because it almost seems like their parents are going to run the businesses into the ground, maximize everything they can, and then just get out and leave and, and leave it for the next person to pick it up. And there's enough wide-eyed millennials that are so hungry for their chance to prove that they're not a waste because, I mean, let's let's face it, how many how many millennials went through that 08 recession and were just getting out of college, just getting out of high school, have loads of debt and were set back five or 10 years. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a thing where you look at job postings and it says entry level. And then it also says three years experience required. Yeah. And that's been a thing for years now, like since the recession in 09. Yeah. You know, we're making lower wages than our parents were at our age, you know, adjusted for inflation, of course. Yeah, I was going to say, like, and inflation is the reason, but you're you're absolutely right. Right. And it's just we're at such a disadvantage and everybody likes to make fun of millennials and talk about what complainers we are. But, you know, boomers weren't burdened with the crippling college debt that we are. That's just something that they never had to deal with. They never had college tuitions as high as ours were, even adjusted for inflation. It's just something that we get saddled with because we're told from, our generation was told probably from elementary school up. I mean, for me, it was always college was definitely happening because that's what you do. You go through middle and high school, and once you graduate high school, you go directly to college, you get your degree, and then you get your job. Right. And that's not really how things worked out for us. No. You know, I still know people with degrees in STEM who are working as baristas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've kind of turned it into a career and maybe they're, you know, management in a cafe somewhere. But that's their job now. And honestly, I miss being a barista. <laughs> Good for them. If you can make a living on it, more power to you. That was such a fun job. But you know, did they need to go to school and get a degree in like biochemistry? Probably not. Well, it's, and, and so that's something that has cropped up in my field so much is the age of the college educated firefighter. If you want to wear a white hat professionally in a department, in a paid department, I, I, you know what? And let me back that off. I hate using that word professionally. There is compensated and uncompensated firefighters um uncompensated firefighters are the true gems of the world and compensated firefighters have created a career out of it are they a little better trained um not in all cases not in all cases at all uh reading fire department of all places they trained you to a firefighter two level and that was all the training they gave you and anything that you went and got uh, above and beyond was on your onus and they picked their chiefs based off of a test they never had a requirement for education and this last batch of chiefs they actually started digging into their certifications and all of a sudden like you know they want college they want this 
um, I interviewed down in South Carolina and the chief was talking about uh, a new assistant chief position that would be like a training officer. And he was talking to me about it, talking to me about it. And um, I finally saw it posted and they wanted you to have a bachelor's degree in education. So this job that was forever and a day, a trade job, I mean, 100% a trade job, all of a sudden now, you have to go to college for. And that's such a weird degree to specifically want. I mean, I guess I kind of understand where they're coming from. You want somebody who knows how to educate other people. But generally, education degrees are so catered to whichever level you're going for. You are an elementary educator or a secondary educator, in which case you have to pick a subject that you're going to be an educator in. And it's just kind of weird that that's what they would want rather than chemistry, you know, or even just an associates in fire science, which I think is a thing. Well, yeah, and that was posted. Mm-hmm. It was uh, associates in fire science, um, any type of education degree. It, it wasn't like you had to have a degree in education, mm-hmm. but it was one of the things they were looking for, preferred qualifications. Right. Um, but that's, that's becoming a thing for anything. You want to take a lieutenant's test down in a big city? Got to have college. You want to be a a lieutenant or a captain in some of these even rural departments. They want you to have college education. And I'm not saying I would never err on the side that education isn't important or good. Absolutely. If I had the money and the time to go to college, if I ever won the lottery and like could not work and could go do something, I'd go to college in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a little old and I would get all the venereal disease, but... I would definitely aim for that. It's a life experience that I want. And also, I just want to see what's all what it's all about. Um, I've had the pleasure of going down to the National Fire Academy in Emmitsburg, Maryland, which is a college accredited, it's not a university, it's a college accredited campus. So I've received college credits, mm-hmm. um, but I've never gone to college in the traditional sense. Right. And I think that's something that's going to forever weigh on me, like like this little piece that I, I really wish I would have had. But I also acknowledge that it's absolutely ridiculous in the sense of some jobs. I'm not saying that having a college degree doesn't have any applicability to the fire service, but I think it's more important that you you learn your trade. You get certified to drive the apparatus and learn how to work the pump panel and learn fire dynamics and things of that nature that are applicable instead of sitting in a class, a creative writing class on Tolkien. Right. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, and I'm not trying to single you out. I'm just saying, like whatever. It was one of my favorite classes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Um, and college is full of that. No, but you know what? And I'll completely cop to that because ultimately when we talk about college debt, I have to grapple with the fact that I am still paying for the fact that I took a creative English course on Tolkien and Lewis. That was part of my education. That went toward a degree. And yes, okay, it was my favorite class because I got to read Lord of the Rings for college credit. It was awesome. But also, like... Why is that something? Why are we requiring that level? Why am I paying that much to sit in a classroom and have that much fun um, talking about hobbits and talking trees 
and that is what's going to make me more qualified for a job than somebody without a degree? Right. Really? Right. Well, and, and I think I've told you the heartbreaking story of my, my friend Carolyn. Um, she went to Franklin and Marshall. She racked up damn near over $150,000 in debt. Oof. And uh, she wanted to become a doctor. She she went to med school for a year and racked up I don't know how much debt in there and then decided I don't want to be a doctor. Yeah. And, and you know, you can't go to doctor school. You have to go <laughs> get, I, I mean, ultimately you end up going to doctor school, but you have to get a college degree first. You can't just get accepted into med school. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a biology major. A biology major, a chemistry minor, and she had another minor. I don't remember what it was in. Um, she's now an educator, mm-hmm. but which you do, you know, that makes some sense having a college degree on. Right. I don't know why, you know, we've gotten sidetracked on healthcare, and now we're getting <laughs> sidetracked on the college. Um, I guess, but it's because these things are endemic to the millennial experience. This right. is the kind of stuff that we contend with. I suppose. And I don't think that any other generation has. Um, Certainly not to the level that we have. No, I I mean, like uh, we, we were talking about how boomers went to trade school and got a job. And the funniest thing is all of our boomer parents pushed us into college or tried to push us into college when we weren't even sure what the hell we wanted to do. And where were all the jobs? Right. I mean, I specifically remember a friend of mine whose dad I don't remember what he did, Um, but he was a tradesman of some sort, and I remember him specifically telling her, or her telling me that he specifically told her, that he wanted her and her sister to go to college so that they would have the kind of life that he didn't, but he's doing really well now. Is he a plumber? I couldn't tell you. I honestly don't remember. But I think that was a thing among a lot of boomer parents, or maybe even Gen X parents, who would say, you know, you have to go to college to have a better life than I had or than that I could provide you. But, you know, every millennial I know is still on the struggle bus (laughs) and, you know, their parents are sitting pretty. I think... I don't think that was a generational thing. I think that was just an overarching thing because, you know, living in this little farming community, I, I've seen, you know, at, at various points in the township meetings, the township is buying up old farms. They have a fun set aside um, that grows when they buy a property and they sell it. But more or less, like the farmers in this area, they grew up hard farming. Farming is hard work. Putting food on people's tables is hard work. Mm-hmm. And they grew up telling their kids like, oh, I don't want this life for you. I want you to live comfortably. I don't want you to live loan to loan. I don't want you to mm-hmm. live worrying about hail ruining the corn stock or worrying mm-hmm. about flooding, you know, messing up your soybeans. I want better for you. Right. So all of these farmers went and they instilled in their kids to go to college, be, be something better, be X, do X. And then, you know, they did. They did. Uh, Mission accomplished. And now we have the township full of old farms that as the farmers die, their kids want nothing to do with it. They don't want to farm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, all all they want, you know, they moved on to working in an office. You know, they work in air conditioning. They wouldn't know the first thing about when to plant or going out and getting a loan based off of market speculation on how much soybeans are going to cost next year. Right. Um, and and it's it's endemic. I remember, you know the the people that told me my friends you know i had a friend whose dad worked as a construction worker he paved you know paved roads was a union guy and he he would tell his kid like you know oh you're never going to be that that a-hole working in the ditch you know i want you to be the guy who tells that a-hole in the ditch what to do so you got to go to college well that a-hole in the ditch has really good health care, <laughs> makes yeah. a really good wage. His dad lived comfortably. Like they had a good uh, two bedroom, not two bedroom, a bi-level house in, in Birdsboro. Like they lived good. He sent yeah. his kids to college. He paid for their college. Yep. Trade jobs are nothing to look down on. And our Absolutely. generation had to le- unlearn all of that nonsense our parents told us about how trade jobs are for schlecks. And, and we went back to the trades. A yeah. lot of my friends went into the trades yeah. because that's where the money was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, even now, those trades are being turned into college jobs. You know, General Motors and, or not General Motors, but Penn State, which if anybody who is a Penn State alum is listening, I hope this really sticks in your crawl. Penn State went to BCI and all of these local technical uh, schools, like... Again, uh, stupid, but when we were in school, if you went to Votech, you were a dumb kid. Yeah. And and those dumb kids now out-earn us at every turn. But the, the Penn State went into these Votech vo- vocational schools, and they realized the programs that they had were free. The pipe fitters, the electrical, the, the auto stuff, all of that stuff that had been offered by the Votechs for free, all of that curriculum was untrademarked. Because General Motors wants, they want a crop of students that want to work on their cars. So they're going to give them the information to repair cars. The body shops want employees. So they give that curriculum to these vocational schools. And the vocational schools start out these kids so they can go into technical schools and then go out and join the workforce. Well, Penn State's like, you know what would be cool is if we just trademarked all that, turned it into a college curriculum, and then made it a college course. So now Penn State has a vocational school that you can go and get an associate's degree in pipe fitting. Wow. And, and instead of getting it for free, instead of it being paid for by the employers, they're going to charge you $50,000 for two years to go to Penn State and get a Penn State degree. Yep. That sounds about right. And I'm just like, ah, I, I understand like shifts. I get that, you know, we need to be... We're, we're, we are an organism that continually advances itself. So, of course, every generation is going to up the ante for training. They're going to up the ante for education and knowledge. And we want to see our IQs climb. But, like, it is becoming so difficult to get a job. And then when you get, like, a lecture from some Zoomer who's quitting a full-time job to go work two part-time jobs, to go back to school and have a theoretical career someday like i i i was three seconds from grabbing her from the by the shoulders and just being like you don't think i had these aspirations do you think i settled right it's it's hard it's hard 
honestly, for me to conceptualize of a Gen Zer in the workforce. Um, I was just thinking about this before we started the podcast about Gen Z and if we go by those kind of arbitrary rules, the um, let's say the 80 to 2000, that there are Gen Zers in the workforce. Um, and I realize I sound like a boomer when I say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I admire what she's doing. Um, don't really appreciate the condescension that she gave you about it. I think, unfortunately, in my experience, that seems to be pretty commonplace among Gen Z. They seem to be condescending. Well, at least toward millennials. There's like this weird, like, real hatred of us, which uh, I guess isn't weird because we just spent 20 minutes smack talking boomers. But, um, yeah, we didn't talk about how our generation is the generation that ended fast food restaurants. Our generation ended malls. Our generation is the worst generation ever born that we're conceited, uh, uh, self-centered, that we only care about ourselves, that we're nostalgia babies and don't care about anything happening presently. (laughs) Um, that article written by that Dr. Uh, Twenge, Twang, whatever her name is, is the most condescending thing I've ever re- read my entire life. I read it at work the other night and while well, I was trying to research this. And I was just like, you've, you've got to be kidding me. Like, the boomers are probably the only generation that really craps on millennials on any regular basis. I don't think, I've never heard of a Gen Xer really crap on millennials. If anything, I think they feel sorry for us. Gen X, I I feel bad for them because they are always (laughs) forgotten or ignored in conversations about generations. Yeah, well, and it seems like like their impact, the biggest thing that would have happened in their time was grunge rock. The yeah. disco of the 90s. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's not true. I mean, God knows they lived through uh, some horrific tragedies themselves. But they are one of those generations where it, it almost seems like it's going to skip them. It seems like the boomers are going to hold out until they can't hold out any longer. And then by the time they go, the Gen Xers won't... They're just not going to move into those positions where they're running the companies. It seems like millennials who were forced into college and forced into certification programs and had to learn the hard way to scratch and claw their way to the top are just going to jump right over them. So I don't know, maybe that's when they'll take their turn taking shots at us. Zoomers, and I'm going to continually call them Zoomers because it's condescending. Um, First of all, if you play that whole 80 or 65 to, to 85 card, and then 86, it would be 86 to 2007 would be when Zoomers start. And in that, if that is true, they are not in the workforce. There's right. no way. If you want to use the word generation, I think you have to have at least 20 years. Yeah. I understand what they're trying to say is that, you know, if you were born after 95, you always had access to the Internet. I get that. And I can see how that shapes people. Um, but... Just for the word's sake, Gen Z would have to have been the children of millennials. They would have had to have been the children of millennials. And, and you know, for me to rip into them 
Now, I don't have children, but for me to rip into them, it's like the old eating their young, which is exactly what the boomers did to us. <laughs> um, if you didn't have Gen X parents, but you know, we raised them. Our generation raised them. So we raised them in an age of the internet. We raised them. Um, we'll see. And that, that, that's another thing about generations that wouldn't make sense. I guess Gen X would have raised them. Gen X would have raised Gen Z. The way it seems to work out, because we put these kind of time frames on it, it, generally, your parents are two generations behind you. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes the most sense. So in some ways, I mean, you mentioned earlier a little bit that Gen X has this um, stereotype for being apathetic. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, it makes sense that Gen Z is coming up and is the exact opposite of that. Like they grew up watching their parents' apathy and not really care too much about anything either way, um, whether that's true or not. And they just decided they were going to go like guns blazing caring about everything <laughs> like i will if there's one thing that defines gen z it is that they are passionate about everything yeah it's um, true so in some ways that makes sense um and and you know <laughs> i was joking the other day with you i was just gonna start start calling gen zers aiden like everyone like what's up you Aiden Aiden Caden Braden just call them Aidens yep um and and you know they those children were helicopter parented they were they were you know I, I love how the the millennials always get the whole well you got participation trophies and you got told you know you could do anything and you got handed everything in your life Bitch, I didn't hand that shit to myself. Exactly. Oh, my God. I had... Oh, my gosh. It had to have been a year or two ago at work. We had um, kind of a manager's training thing on how to interact with the different generations. And they talked about how millennials had participation trophies and they need to be praised on every little thing. And I walked away from this training so offended. Side note. mm Mm-hmm. Did you ever get a participation trophy? I never did. I can't remember. I don't really think so. I'm telling you. I think. Dead ass as I sit here right now. Now, I was not. I I didn't go to school. I I, I went to school for like two years. I'm not getting into that. But I was homeschooled most of my life. I was in Scouts. I was in various other programs. I swear to you, I never got a trophy just for being there. No, I don't think I did either. I think trophies were handed out for winners, um, for my own background here. Um, I never got a trophy. Are you admitting something? I played t-ball when I was little. I played field hockey when I was little. I got out of sports. Oh, we'll see Um, t-ball. That's a millennial sport. Nobody pitches you the ball. They just put it in front of you. I'm going to sidetrack that and continue what I was saying. Um, so I left sports uh, when I realized I was not athletically inclined. and But I went into chorus in high school and we did competitions. And not once did I receive a trophy just for showing up. Trophies were handed out to, you know, first, second, third place. And, you know, maybe at the end of the game, 
the coach would get us together or the chorus teacher would get us together and would say, you know what, guys, we did our best and I think you guys did a great job and maybe we'd get a pizza or something, but we certainly never got a trophy that said, you showed up. Yeah, I never, ever, ever in my life received an award for being me. Nope. Spankings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the piss beat out of me a couple times, but never a trophy or award. Um, and, and you know, uh, I guess this next generation was raised by the Internet, too. You know, they um, their their parents didn't sit them in front of the television to watch Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry. They sat in front of an iPad and they watched shows on YouTube. Yeah. You know, they didn't have to deal with we'll be right back after these messages. Like, you know, they're. <laughs> Almost insultuously low IQ television programming that we had. Well, yeah, I'm trying to think back when TiVo came out. They've probably, throughout at least their most formative years, grown up with DVR and the ability to fast forward through commercials. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Listen, we're we're over an hour into this thing, and I think we could we could drone on forever. I I just I I, I want to say I never have really a conclusion to my podcast. I try to leave them pretty open ended, mm-hmm. um, and I just feel like the more I looked into this, the more this whole generational thing seemed hooey. At least, yeah. at least on the 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 guise of calling it a generational thing, because it's really more of an error thing. Like this. This stretch of 10 years had these events, and this is how it affected this group of people. Sure. I mean, you know, if you want to take 9-11 as the example, that's certainly not something that only happened to millennials. It was probably one of the most formative things for millennials, but it certainly also happened to Gen X and boomers. I guess by definition, not to Gen Z, but, you know, it happened to all of us. We all lived through it. Um it we just all kind of dealt with it differently right right and and you know the crash that followed like six seven years later it didn't just affect millennials it affected Mm -hmm. everybody right um except the zoomers you know all the aidens out there although haha now you got to deal with this whole covid fallout have fun with that um because, you know, it was bad just as is, and now we're hitting second wave territory, and now it's looking like, you know, another recession is on its heels pretty quick. So, you know, right as they think they're making their YouTube fortunes and, and, and knocking it out of the park with their choices, they're going to get hit with an economic relapse that, who knows, um, they're going to have to deal with a lot of the same issues we have. I know, as a millennial, when this when this started, I... I cried. I br- I had a breakdown. I I was devastated because all I could think about was here we go again. I'm for the second time in my life, I'm going to live through a recession that's going to keep me from getting um advancing, you know, being promoted or finding a job that I really feel at home at and you know, I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know how to do this again. I did it once and I would be, you know, I'm stronger for it, I guess, but it doesn't mean I want to go and relive it. Right. I had that same thought, you know, I guess it's 2020. So soon enough, 
Gen Zers will be entering the workforce if they're not already there. And I mean, in a sense, I do feel bad for them because what happened to us is going to happen to them again. And now we're the ones who are digging our heels in and we're not going to go anywhere if we can help it. But there are also still boomers in the workforce who are going to dig their heels in because they're watching their investments falter. And here we are again. It was like millennials had just kind of gotten ourselves out of that 09 slump and we finally started to get ourselves established. I mean, a lot of our peers didn't have kids until the past couple of years when things started to kind of even out. And now here we are again and it's going to happen all over again and we're going to slide back. And I feel bad for Gen Z because they're going to face the same struggles we did when we were trying to enter that workforce. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, we, a lot of my friends don't own houses. Yep. They don't have kids. Yep. They don't have those, those mile markers that were used for success. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I don't own a house. I don't have kids. I don't have those things that, you know, people at 34 should have people at 34 in past generations would they would have two or three kids at this point they would own a house but they would also own you know uh, a vacation house or multiple cars like not that i've never been the kind of person where i've looked into somebody else's bowl and and been jealous like oh well i don't have these things so i'm a failure i'm a failure for various other reasons not necessarily just that one but you're right. It's it's gonna it's gonna be hard for everybody. I think going forward, and I, I could talk about this for another hour, but I'm gonna wrap it up. I want to thank you for coming on, and um, happy birthday! Thank you for sharing it with me. Thank you for having me. And um, that's it, everybody. Um, you know the the podcast today is a little bit long. It's a little all over the place. I wanted to talk about generations, and I ended up talking all over the place. But as is. Um, you know, think about it, form your own opinions and let me know what you think. Hit me up on my socials as always my enduring, uh, free commercial, the campaign zero, please check out campaignzero.org. will be linked in the podcast. And next week, uh, my, my friend Steph is going to be joining me again on the podcast and we're going to be going over some LGBT issues. I think she said she wanted to talk about the biverse. Um, and that's just to say, we're going to talk about what it's like being bi and the challenges you face and gender normatives. And I, who knows, it's probably going to be a really long podcast too. So if you're enjoying these, let me know. Um, if these are too long, let me know again, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, however you can find me. It's all linked in the podcast. If not stay safe. Thank you so much for everybody that listens. Check out campaign zero and I'll see you next week. This look that of an angel
such a bad disguise When you drink it makes you angry 